You're listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg-Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. All right, my name is Rafael Mganza, and, uh, and I am privileged to be a lead pastor at City Church, uh, which is in Williamsport. And uh, obviously, you might sense an accent. Uh, uh, I always just, uh, you guys don't have accents. We, uh, so um, I was born in Zimbabwe, uh, Zimbabwe in Africa, and then uh, met my wife in Dallas, Texas when I was in seminary, and um, she kind of packed me up in her bag and took me uh, back to Williamsport and where she was born and raised, and and so we, we've been watching God do um, just amazing gospel work there. Uh, so, and first of all, I just want to obviously say thank you so much for uh, Pastor John and, uh, and not only that, Pastor Matt, for uh, they've, they've been just amazing brothers to us. Um, uh, if you don't know, if you do not know, this is not my first time here. Uh, I've come here uh, more than probably four or five times where we've said we've prayed and encouraged one another uh, just to keep going in the gospel ministry. But not only that, um, you as Liberty Church uh, uh, have come alongside with us and supported us uh, in, in a million ways, uh, financially uh, and, and, and just encouraging uh, ways. And Matt has driven to Williamsport uh, a couple of times just to come check with me and, and pray for me, uh, encourage me and coach me through some hard, hard times. And so uh, I just want to say thank you so much for that. Um, just to give you just a little bit of uh, what's going on at City Church. Uh, uh, this year alone, we've, uh, we've just seen a lot of things happening. Uh, as, I, as I was just trying to keep track of that, um, the, here's a couple of things that I just want to kind of uh, highlight. Uh, we, we recently had three baptisms. Um, we, saw, uh, we are installing another elder. Uh, we have two elders. We have two, two in training. We're installing one uh, here at, at the end of August. Um, and we are training more home group leaders. Um, for you guys, probably it's Bible studies, but we're training more home group leaders. We're multiplying them from uh, five to to seven, uh, seven home group uh, home groups meeting all around uh, our city, um, and uh, we are multiplying babies like crazy. Uh, so. Uh, just uh, we just celebrated recently five baby dedications, and uh, and not only that, we're bursting off the seams. So um, if 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 we have uh, 120 people downstairs, uh, there's probably there's probably going to be 60 to 65 kids uh, in children's church, and so so we're uh, we're blessed to have a building. Uh, where we can expand into different places. So we've been renovating every other place and kind of putting kids everywhere. So, um, and not only that, we, we've uh, uh, recently, I think two weeks ago, we had a church planter from South Africa uh, who I've been coaching, and so we're helping plant a church in Johannesburg, South Africa. And so, uh, so, so you're having grandbabies, just to let you know. Uh, <laughs> but not only we've we've seen new members come in. Uh, we we've 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 had a, a mom's group start, um, and then at the same time we we're just uh, um, 
we're surrounded by colleges uh, like Homing College and, and Penn College. And so uh, we are seeing, we're seeing even now, uh, uh, we have some, some students who are staff uh, with crew. So they're, they're, we're, we're sending them into the schools this, uh, this, this coming semester. And so, um, and, and just above everything, we, we've seen just like renewal of life uh, from every, every side. Uh, just what I was celebrating last week was uh, just a couple of people that we've been praying hard for. Um, that that um, last week as I was looking in in our congregation and they had just come back from rehab uh, because of uh, just uh, the drug addiction pandemic that we are facing, uh, especially in Central PA. So um, so that's that. Uh, let me pray and let's get going. Um, I am meant to talk to you on the subject of the Holy Spirit, and I, w I won't lie to you. Um, uh, the more I am faced with more and more problems. Uh, as I sit as a pastor, sitting in front of people and, and, and hearing the complexities of, of problems that are there and, and all that, the more uh, I, I, I feel weak, the more I feel uh, inadequate to meet all those needs, and the more I realize and treasure the, 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 the Holy Spirit. The more usually I am just filled with a lot of beggings and saying, Holy Spirit, just do what I cannot do. I, I can't dry up this addiction. Uh, I can't comfort this loss. I can't do any of this. But you are here. Uh, and then so, so that's one of the greatest comforts that we have is having the ministry of the Holy Spirit because he is the reason why we're here. Amen? Let me pray. Jesus, we ask you that you would... Do what we cannot do, God. Meet us where we are, but please meet us with your spirit, God. And Lord, transform us, change us, and meet us with your word, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I want to begin this morning by taking you into, um, into what the discipleship looks like in the Mkandla household. And because uh, one of the things is that my background is just a, it's a story full of pain. And so uh, this year I just lost my father and, and that was uh, uh, losing my father. And as, as we were um, laying my father down, uh, laying my father uh, to rest, uh, in Zimbabwe, um, it was just almost an opening of, uh, of other griefs that were going on inside within me because, uh, because uh, in 2006, I lost my sister who was 25 years old, um, lost my sister, and then um, 2000, in the year 2000, I lost my mother. And so we, uh, we, we, we were five of us, and so this year was experiencing almost a tipping of scales uh, where there's now two of us alive and three have passed away. And, and being swallowed in grief and all that, uh, I have learned one lesson, number one, that, that I can always, I, I just, as, as I've been uh, going through this, uh, the year 2000 was when I was saved um, really at the, uh, at the passing of my mother, tried to commit suicide, and, and it wasn't until a cousin came and shared the gospel with me, and I was introduced to, um, to the man of sorrows uh, who has walked through every pain and grief, uh, who's acquainted with grief, and he stood by me, and from that time onwards, as I became a believer, uh, I, I was comforted greatly by, by Jesus and comforted by his spirit, walking 
with me through, through even what was going to be more and more trials in front. And so as I was burying my sister, I was conscious of the presence of God uh, with me. And then even this year, as I was burying my father, I was conscious of that. And I began to think about, about this in discipleship as we were discipling, as we were walking with our kids. And, and, and I said, what is one thing that I wish my mother and my father had taught me? Um, the one thing that uh, I just realized that the, was that we need as parents to, number one, to assure them of our love, but then also assure them of, of, of the abiding presence and love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as I looked, as I looked back, and I just began to think about these things and say, okay, um, my mother is not here, my father is not here, my sister is not here. What do I want my kids to remember when I'm gone? So every night when we end, the, when we end our Bible study, this is how things go. I always ask my kids this, and uh, I just always ask them, I say, does Dada love you this much? And they say, no. Does he love you this much? And, and they say, no. Does he love you this much? And they say, no. Does he love you this much? Are you getting tired yet? And they say, no. And does he love you this much? They say, no. By the time when I say, does he love you this much? And that's when they run in into my arms and say, yes. And when I say yes, and I tickle them, like, right, it's not a night until they meet the tickle monster, right? It's not a night until, until they meet the tickle zombie, right? It's not, it's not a night until they do that. But then right in the middle of that, over and over, every single day, I ask them, but who loves you more? Who loves you more? And that's when they say, Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. And there we begin to explain how Jesus has loved us, came down on the cross, died for us, gave, he, he lived a life we couldn't live, died a death we should have died. And he hung upon the cross so that he could reconcile us with the Father. How God loved us so much, gave us his son, and, and he opened up the gate so that we could become family with him again. We can be adopted and we can become children and he loves us with this undying love and then I begin to say but he who makes it all real to us is the Holy Spirit and he is the one that lives inside within us he's the one that shows us how great God is he's the one that chases us even when we have done wrong and brings us back to God and over and over collides with us to show us God so this is something that we do every single day. Why? Because just having this reality of seeing people come and go over and over has really convinced me that even though I love them, God loves them more. And when I am gone, I want them to know that. I want them to know that. There's a quote from Thomas Goodwin. It says this, Sometimes with the Father, then with the Son. Then with the Holy Ghost, sometimes his heart drawn, drawn, drawn out to consider the Father's love in choosing, and then the love of Christ in redeeming, and then so again the love of the Holy Ghost that searches the deep things of God and reveals them to us and takes all the pains with us. And so a man goes from one witness 
to another distinctly, we should never be satisfied till all three persons lie level in us and all make a board with us as we sit, as it were in the midst of them, while they manifest their love to us. It's a prayer that I pray all the time. And so one of the best places to take you as, as I was considering this topic of the Holy Spirit was, was the last discourse uh, of Jesus when he's about to die, when he's about to resurrect and, and he's about to ascend. He takes us, um, he begins to talk about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16. Uh, and we're going to focus on 16, but let me kind of highlight what he does in John, in John chapter 14, uh, where, where Jesus begins to talk to them, and he's, he's talking to them about the fact that he's going to die, and he begins to say, let your hearts not be troubled, because I'm going to prepare a place for you. But as they are being troubled like that, he, he begins to command them, and he says this, listen, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to ask. In verse 16, it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper to be with you forever. I love that. If you have your Bible, underline that. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because he, it, is, it, is neither, he, it, it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And in verse 25, it says, These things I have spoken to you while I'm with you, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And then later on, he's going to begin to talk to them in chapter 15, where he's going to begin to say, I am, the vine, uh, I, I am the vine, you are the branches, abide in me. My father is the vine dresser. And so he talks to them and he says, remain in my life, my love. Remain in God's love. Love one another. And as if just to seal that, he begins to actually say that, listen, um, listen you're going to have the Holy Spirit. Even when you face times of persecution, I want you to love one another. And at the end of that, in verse 26, it says, But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who comes from the Father, proceeds, proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So what stands out here is that he is going to witness alongside believers to give them the power that they need to witness to the world. And then that takes us to chapter 16. Jesus keeps on talking. And this is like, well, I want you to kind of see this. This is his death speech. And he is talking to them. He is actually beginning to show them why when he leaves, they're not alone. In verse 7, he says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. If you can underline that. What advantage do we have? I want to see Jesus. But listen, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. 
But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I love this, because... There are things that God keeps on, that, that, there are things that he reveals at the right time to us. Because at the one point, we can't bear them. And when we're ready, he opens our eyes to them, right? It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Could you just kind of underline that? That everything that that's belongs to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is here to kind of begin to continue to preach into our hearts those things so that we, every single day when we're prone to wander, He can open our eyes to what kind of inheritance we have in Him. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That like you can press in into that to say when your heart gets dull, and you can go on your knees and say, preach to me. Show me the wonders and the riches that are in Christ. And he's going to continue to blow your mind away. Isn't that good? Listen to this. He will glorify me. He will declare what is mine to you. And all, the Father, all that the Father has is mine. And therefore I say it, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. When Jesus repeats things twice, take them seriously. All a little while and you will see me no longer. And again in a little while you will see me. He's talking of his resurrection. So I want you to kind of just see this. Let's make a couple of observations about the Holy Spirit. First of all, he is, he is a he, not an it. Right here, when we follow Jesus, we see him saying he, he, he. And if you can, just underline all those. And when we, when we look through, even in the Bible, and we expand, even we begin to see here uh, that, that he is called the helper. He's, he's a person and he has these names. He's a helper. He's a counselor. He's a comforter. And, and Jesus is going to call him the spirit of truth. Meaning that when he convicts you, he never wants to cheat you or lie to you. He is the Holy Spirit, meaning that he has no deception in within him. Everything, even down to his deepest intentions, are for, is for our good. Isn't that beautiful, right? He's the spirit of grace in Hebrews. He's the spirit of wisdom and knowledge in Isaiah chapter 11, just like we, we, we read earlier on. He's the spirit of glory. The glory of God, that everything that he does when he presses inside us, he wants to glorify God. Right, he has this personality. This personality is just to come and help and to be our helper. Right, this is this. I love to point this that the Holy Spirit is called helper. And so, when I'm talking to men and I'm doing counseling, even in, in premarital counseling, I'm saying that that term helper for the wife is actually doesn't mean less because actually, helper is actually God's name. 
Amen? And, and so we get to see that he has knowledge and he has feelings. He has a will according to the Bible. But he has these attributes that, that actually make him equal with God. He is omniscient. He will teach you all truth. But not only that, he is divine. He is eternal. And not only that, he is omnipresent. So that's actually now when the church fathers are now having to fight. The fighting, and, and they're wanting to write, they're writing uh, these church documents, like just like what we, we read here as the Apostles' Creed. They are getting to see in the Bible, as Jesus is talking about him, they're getting to see that he is equal with God. And so that's why we sing God in three persons, blessed Trinity. And so when we begin to see his work, the mistake is you always to see this uh, is to see his work and divide it and, and see and see him as trying to operate on his own, which is actually what we've done in the church today, where some churches just focus on Jesus and forget the Holy Spirit, and then some churches just focus on the Holy Spirit and forget the fact that even in John 6:10, he says where Jesus says he will glorify who? Me. But the church fathers came up with this, uh, this phrase called opera trinita trinitaria, uh, extra indivisa sant, which means that the Holy Spirit, the works of the trinity outside are indivisible. That when you see the Father at work, you know that the, 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 the Son is at work and the Spirit is at work. When you see the Son at work, you know the Spirit is at work and the Father is at work as well. When you see the son, when you see the father at work, you know all of them are at work at the same time as well. So the challenge for us is to speak of the three and realize also that we're speaking of one, right? And and but yet at the same time see the distinct fingerprints that they leave all over the Bible. So I love I love what. Uh, what the church father Gregory Nazias says, he says, No sooner do I conceive of the one that I am illumined by the splendor of the three. No sooner do I distinguish them that I am carried back to the one. When I think of any, any one of the three, I think of him as a whole. And my eyes are filled and the greater part of what I am thinking of escapes me. I cannot grasp the greatness of that one so as to attribute a greater, a greater, the, the greatness of, to the rest. When I contemplate the three together, I see but one torch and cannot divide or measure out the undivided light. Isn't that amazing? And they're trying to wrestle with this. So when you start looking into the Bible, you get to see that the Holy Spirit has been there from the beginning. He's there at creation, where the Spirit and the Word are there at creation. God speaks the Word, the Father speaks the Word. And then not only just as He speaks the Word, the Spirit hovers all around and begins to see, to, to, to make this unformed and unfilled world and begins to make things happen. So the Spirit is there and we see the Spirit there making God's people holy. And then we see the Spirit there over and over. In Second Peter, it's going gonna, it's gonna to say that the Spirit is the one who, who superintends the writing of the Word of God. That in fact, as we hold the word of God today, we actually are holding something that has been preserved by the Spirit. 
Right, and so, so, so I, I was I chuckle sometimes when, even in our church, when somebody says, "Does this church believe in the Holy Spirit?" I look at them and I say, "Listen, we couldn't even be here to get together if it wasn't for the Spirit." And then, do, do do you understand? We couldn't even open the Scriptures if it was, and and not only that, we couldn't even understand what Jesus is saying, what everything is being said, if it wasn't for 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 the Holy Spirit. And then so we see the Holy Spirit uh, promised over and over uh, through the, the, the Bible. Uh, but what I want to point out to, which is what I really want to kind of bring to you and me, why continue to really become aware of the Holy Spirit? It's because I want to show you that the Holy Spirit was Jesus' greatest companion. He was greatest, Jesus' greatest companion, and so he is meant to be our greatest companion. That's why at his death, he begins to talk. And he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you another helper. And then so I just want to point this out to you. At conception, it says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary. So the Holy Spirit is there at the conception of Jesus at the growing up of Jesus in Luke, it says that he grew up full of what? The spirit and wisdom. At the baptism of Jesus, we see the Holy Spirit present. The Father speaks, the Holy Spirit descends, and Jesus comes out of that water. We see the Spirit being with Jesus in the hour of temptation. Can, can you see why Jesus is going to say, I'm not leaving you by yourself? So that in the hour of temptation, we know we're with someone. Throughout Jesus' life, we see the Holy Spirit with him, helping him, do, helping him with the miracles and everything. At the crucifixion of Jesus, it says that he offered his body by the Spirit of God. And we see him there at the resurrection, coming in, breathing into Jesus' body once again, and Jesus being risen from the dead, right? The same power that rose Christ from the dead also lives in within us, like Romans 8, 11 says, so we see that in the life and work of Jesus Christ, the Spirit is present. So when we now come down to this passage here in John chapter 16 and 14, 15, and 16, and we see Jesus says that it is to your advantage that I go. He's actually not saying that. He's actually saying, I'm leaving you with my greatest companion that I've been existent with for all eternity, and he will guide you into all truth. He will do all all these things. I love this because Jesus here is giving his disciples his greatest secret. Right? I was looking and thinking about uh, just the companies that have went, that have gone into the greatest length in hiding their secret recipes. For example, uh, KFC chicken um, has been hiding their recipe. Um, and people have tried to replicate it. Um, McDonald's fries, right? And they, 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 they've hidden that thing. Um, in fact, Pepsi too. Um, uh, there's, there's one called Bush's Baked Beans, uh, right? They say they have a recipe to it. Um, but the one that really intrigued me was Coca-Cola, right? The fact that Pemberton sold the formula for 2,500, 2,500, like you said here, um, in 1887, 
dying a year later, and then in 1886, they only sold nine Cokes a day. Right? Today, the company is, 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 has been selling 1.7 billion drinks every 24 hours, but the recipe lies in a vault downtown Atlanta, right? <laughs> At the SunTrust Bank vault, and the only two, exe- only two executives kind of access that at a time, right? And, and just been, it's been hidden. And they say even if you find out, you just don't know the proportions to make this recipe. But I love this because the God of heaven sends his son and his son wants to show us the greatest secret of living a godly life. And he doesn't hide that recipe. For 2,000 years plus, the church has been advancing because he opened the vault of heaven and said, here's the secret. So, so what does he do? We find in John 16, 14, it says he helps. He comes alongside us. That word alon parakleton means that he comes alongside us. In secular Greek, this term meant, especially the one that was called to help another in court, an advocate, a legal advisor. And, and so he says the Holy Spirit is going to come and he is going to be with you and he is going to come. And, and though he appears passive and we don't give him that much emphasis, he comes in as a paraclete, the one to walk alongside us. He walks alongside us and it says that he is sent from God. His mission is from God, but he has these jobs of doing these things. In verse 26, it says that he will what? He will teach you all things and he will bring to remembrance all things that I've said to you. So what we have today as the church of Jesus Christ is the advantage that nobody else has in any religion. We have the Holy Spirit who was present at creation present with Jesus throughout his life and everything that Jesus said and did in all those those years he was on earth the Holy Spirit is able today in 2019 to come and bring to remembrance everything as we open up scripture listen be motivated as you open up scripture to invite the holy spirit and say teach me all things that jesus said and remind me the things that 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 jesus said an example of that is, is found in, in John chapter 2 when Jesus is flipping tables and as he's flipping tables, his disciples, his disciples look at him and they say, they, say, they say, it says that they were reminded that the zeal of the Lord's house has eaten me up. They were reminded. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When we find ourselves in those places where sometimes we're trying to make sense of things, the Holy Spirit comes and illumines our hearts and reminds us of the truth of Scripture. So he comes and does that. And in John 15, after Jesus begins to talk to them about the fact that the world is going to be very hostile to them, So for us, he reminds us, but not only that, he is the chief witness and we are deputy witnesses, right? And Jesus is going to say, wait, 
before you go into all the world, wait for the Holy Spirit, and you will be witnesses in first and what? In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And so we see this in John 15, where, where Jesus is going to say that he is going to come. He will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness. Here lies the truth that is meant to encourage us. How do I talk to my neighbors about Jesus? How do I, how do I talk to my workmates about Jesus? How, how do I talk to my children about Jesus? How do I as a parent begin to let go of my children as they go to college and, and know that all is gonna be well? Because there's a ministry of the Holy Spirit whom when we dedicate children to, I have to remind parents over and over, whom when we dedicate children to, that we, we say, God, can you watch over my child? God, could you be where I cannot be? I'm not omnipresent, you are. And could you, chief witness, begin to soften my neighbor's hearts, could begin to, could begin to be the witness that you can, and, and begin to invite me to participate with you on the mission of making Jesus in the real in the world this is so encouraging because for me and you we get to know that i cannot change anybody and this is like this is the part where as as the church if all you've been doing is talking to your children and you've never begged the holy spirit to invade their hearts maybe you think you've got more power than he does but let me remind you that the Spirit is powerful. That he, he was there from the beginning to transform this world. Today, we travel to all seven wonders of the world. And we see the beauties of the world. We see animals. We see all those things. He was there from the beginning to transform everything. And not only that, he rose Jesus from the grave. What more drug addiction? What, what more, what more, what more, a broken marriage? Like I always, like sometimes when we're counseling in marriage, the first thing that I have to ask and say, listen, what is it that's the problem? We begin to list things on, the, on, 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 on cards. And as we list these things on cards, and I begin to say, okay, now we have the problems that are there. Let's face it, you can't fix him, you can't fix her. Why don't we do this? For 10 minutes, I'm going to walk out. You're going to just pray with one another. Invite the Holy Spirit to do what you cannot do to unite this marriage. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. But the Holy Spirit comes and he's a better witness than we, than we are. He illuminates Jesus' word in hearers' minds. But we see here in chapter 16 that he convicts. He comes in and he convicts. Listen. Our words cannot bring conviction unless we're partnering with the Holy Spirit. Our words, but he convicts of sin. And what does that mean? It says that it, it says he will convict them of sin. He, and what this means is that he will show someone his sin and summon them to repentance. Have you ever had, if you're a believer in the room, have you ever had those moments when he sits on you? You know, the, the, the church, the Puritans used to call him the hound of heaven. When you're trying to turn this way and he's behind you, 
right? And when you know what it means, you actually like Psalm 23, 6 says, that surely goodness and mercy will follow me. That word is called radab, which means to pursue violently all the days of my life. He has a way of doing things better than we can. So this, this morning, church, we can, we can call on him to bring conviction. Do you have a wayward son? Do you have a wayward husband? Do you have, what is it that you, and not only that, do you have a cold heart? I'm saying check your heart in before God and just say, make my heart see the gravity of my own sin. And let me do, and not only that, and you, you see, he convicts of righteousness and he begins to show you that Jesus is here to make things right, that all our unrighteousness has been taken, has been put on the cross, nailed, and it is finished at the cross. And so therefore, he is here to eject shame. He's here to take all the shame all the fear, all the guilt, and he's able to call us to righteousness. He's going to convict us to that. Not only that, he's going to convict of judgment and show, to show us that the judgment of our sins has already been taken care of at the cross. Right? That the Son of God has been judged already on our behalf. All that is left for us is to come repent and receive life and life eternal. Like that, that, that makes him my best friend because that's what I want to see in my neighborhood. In my neighborhood where there was four shootings in the last month. That's what I want to see in this corrupt world where in, in, in 24 hours at one city, there's 20 people that have been shot. And then in another city, there's 11 people that have been shot. That's what I want to see. Right? Because there are churches there that preach the gospel. That's what we desire to see. God invading hearts and bringing people to himself. Amen? Jonathan Edwards says this, The spirit that is at work takes off persons' minds from the vanities of the world and engages them in a deep concern about eternal happiness. Can you see that? Begins to massage their hearts and puts them upon earnest seeking their salvation seeking of their salvation convinces them of the dreadfulness of sin and of their own guilt and miserable state as they are by nature it awakens he awakens men's consciences and makes them sensible to the dreadfulness of God's anger and causes them to causes them a great desire and an earnest care and, and, and to endeavor and obtain God's favor. And Jesus is going to say, there's many things I want to say, but I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit to apply them to you. And so what, what does he do? He helps us to grasp all truth. Just like Paul prayed in Ephesians, that, that the Spirit of God would show you what? The breadth, the height, the depth, the unsearchable reaches of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here to do that. Right? And we find out that at the, at another thing that he does is that he glorifies. He glorifies Jesus. So what he does is that he continues to lift Jesus up high in a broken world. Lift Jesus up high in the church. And then we get to see God for who he is. Because where 
the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Jesus remains the hope of the world. And then all of a sudden, we get to see the heart of God's love that he demonstrated for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the Holy Spirit constantly fans that flame. So my prayer for you this morning is that you will begin to engage the Holy Spirit. In fact, another chapter that you might want to look and see the beauty of what, what it says, he will take what's mine and put it in you, is read Romans 8. You get to see the Holy Spirit and what he does in us. He puts sonship in us. He reminds us who we are. And he reminds us that in all persecution, tribulation, anything we could ever go, that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Who makes that real? The Holy Spirit. Amen? So let me encourage you with this last thing here. Begin to engage the Holy Spirit every single day in your prayer time, in your life. I want to show you how I do that. There's that, there's that acronym ACT that we usually use. But in just engaging the Trinity, I've just begun to say where there's adoration, begin to say, what, what does God's word show me about God? And then begin to adore the Father. And as I'm adoring the Father, and then confession, what does God's word show me about me? Show, show me about me. And then begin to confess those things and say, God, you are holy, but I'm not. You're good, and I'm not. And then when it comes to thanksgiving, I begin to look past, present, and future, what Jesus has done. And begin to see the promises and all that. And when it comes to supplication, that's when I am left right there. Where I see these things that Jesus has done, past, present, and future. I'm aware of my inconsistencies, and I've confessed them, and I begin to supplicate. And I begin to say, Holy Spirit, transform me in these ways. And he begins to do what? To bear fruit in me. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love. Joy. You know what he's doing there? He's replacing hate with love. He begins to replace what? Unsettledness with joy. He gives, gives me peace in a stormy world. And then he begins to give me long suffering. He begins to give me self-control. All those things. Listen, all those things are ours. All those things are ours. Last week, my children were walking in and out of the house. I have five kids, right? So the first one goes and picks up an apple. And then I know what's about to happen. Four of them are going to go get an apple and walk out. And at one point, I just wanted to yell at them and say, stop eating apples. Stop getting all the fruit. And then I started realizing this as I was preparing to talk to you. I started realizing they have faith that they can always walk into the house and go to the to the bowl that where there's fruit and take from there and they can walk out. And then as I began to see this, what is the fruit of the Spirit? It's the fact that God has provided for us and he has these gifts for us. Like I saw my kids as exercising faith, walking into the house because they know that there's fruit where in the bowl, picking up fruit, 
working out. Could you and me today, through the power of the Holy Spirit, begin to walk into the pantries and the closets of God's unsearchable riches and begin where we need patience and allow the Holy Spirit to bring it to us. Where we need joy, kindness, long-suffering, whatever it is. And so what do we have in the Holy Spirit? We have Jesus' closest, com closest companion and that he has left for us so that the church can advance in the world. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are, God. Thank you, Lord, for who the Spirit is. And God, as a church, God, we, we come before you. And sometimes, Lord, uh, I just personally repent of neglecting the work of the Spirit. But only you, Holy Spirit, make, makes these things that makes our faith real. Only you can transport us back to that day when Jesus died to see the gravity of our sins. Only you can begin to show us the realities of our inheritance. Only you can assure us of, the, of this glorious future that we have in the, in the gospel. And so today, God, I pray for the church, Liberty Church, I pray that you would begin to strengthen us for those that need to be resurrected from the old life to the new life, Holy Spirit, could you come and convince them of their sins so that they may see you for who you are. And but for some of us, Lord, begin to fill our sails, God, with the wind of your spirit, that we may constantly flee from the flesh and the sin and the world and continue to flee into your heart. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.